Sugarcoated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, and I am so excited because I have a very special guest with us here today. Her name is Danielle Desir Corbett, and she is a podcast marketing coach who's passionate about helping podcasters grow their audience. You can see why I wanted her on the show. Uh, she helps to build authority and monetize podcasts through sponsorship. She is also the host of The Thought Card, a top-rated and four-times grant-funded affordable luxury travel and personal finance podcast. Wow, I can't wait to dive into that. Um, empowering financially savvy travelers to travel more and to build wealth. I'm all about building wealth. So welcome to Sugar Coated, Danielle. Thank you. What a grand entrance. I'm so excited oh. to be here. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's a pleasure. And I am just so interested in, first of all, you as a podcaster, how you got into the whole world of podcasting and this, you know, leveraging grants, which is amazing in order to help grow your business. So why don't we kind of start with you probably weren't always a podcaster. So how did you get into podcasting? Absolutely. So before I got into podcasting, I was actually a blogger first. And I started my travel and personal finance blog with the same name, The Thought Card, in 2015. And at the time, I was financially trying to do a bunch of things like travel while paying off student loan debt, trying to buy a house, Adulting was quite difficult, so I wanted a place to document all the things. And I eventually expanded to podcasting in 2018 because I had a feeling that I can create content faster through audio, make a deeper connection with my readers, and build a community of folks who are interested in this travel and personal finance lifestyle. And I will say all the things I thought podcasting was going to do for me, it actually wasn't easy to create. It's not easy to maintain, but no. it opened a lot of doors for me. So I really credit podcasting for allowing me to meet more people, make introductions, to share my thoughts and be the face of my brand. Even though it's like, you can't see my face as a podcast, but my listeners know who I am. They know how I talk and the little accents I have and the little jokes I make. So it's such an intimate medium. And I would lastly, I'll say that podcasting also adding it on top of the blogging I do allows me to be a more lucrative creator because whether I'm working with brands or whether I'm creating products, I have two avenues to distribute my content, the written mm. the written format and also the audio format. 
imagine if you had a video also, that's now you're a trifecta creator. So I just see podcasting as a great asset and it definitely adds to what I'm doing and, and my business overall. I love that so much. And one of the things that you said really, well, everything that you said, but one of the things that you said really resonates with me, it allows the audience to get to know you and to trust you, right? So I always say that podcasting is this incredible intimate medium that should be leveraged more by women because what other way do we have to really go deep on our thoughts, ideas, and opinions? I mean, I just think that podcasting is like the way to do it. So I try to encourage as many women as as I can to start their own podcast, especially if they have a business, right? This content creation uh, aspect is something that is so important and it's difficult to do. You know, it's difficult to get started. And, it, and like you said, it's difficult to maintain the momentum and just keep, you know, churning out, churning out, especially when it's just you. Absolutely. And I will say five years podcasting, it's me and an editor. So it's not like a huge team. It's the two of us. And you can do a lot, but it definitely is a time. There's a lot of time involved. But also like what you said, mentioning that it allows you to really refine your voice. I was so nervous starting a podcast Number one, I wanted to have a co-host. I was that scared that I was just nervous about <laughs> tech and I felt like I couldn't carry conversation alone. And then one of the things also that was surprising to me is that when I polled my audience, because I already had an audience through my established blog, I asked them, hey, would you want to listen to the podcast? And they said, no. I <gasps> polled my audience on Instagram and I would say 70% of those who responded said no. Ooh. But I did it anyway. Right. Yeah. And I share that to say that even if you're not getting like the reaction that you want, but you feel like something in your spirit is like, I need to try and do this, just go and try. And if it's not the right fit, you can always pivot and do something else. So, I, yeah. You know, it's so interesting too, because it's you pulled an audience who was following your blog, the written word. Right. And so maybe just for who they were is why they didn't want to listen to podcasts. So were you able to draw in even more different type of people through the podcast? Yeah. So the way I, it, the way I think about my brand is that I am creating, even if I'm creating the same content, it's being distributed in a different format for a different type of interaction with the audience. So a lot of people who visit my website, they may come specifically for something they found on Google and they may deep dive into that article and then they get the answer that they need and then they move on. If they really like me, they may want to join my newsletter and we start a relationship there. Mm. But typically speaking for the podcast, a lot of it is primarily through word of mouth maybe or hearing me on other shows and they're avid audio listeners and they're following me week after week, year after year. And that starts the conversation in this long form format. They may follow me on social, but they may not. So yeah. I kind of do see that I, I want to provide my audience the content the way they like it best and the way I like creating it, whether that's audio and written format, but they're the same philosophy wise. Like I know they're all financially savvy travelers, 
but they consume content in different ways. I love this. So I, I actually, I am an adjunct instructor at NYU Tisch Center for Hospitality. I feel like I mentioned that on every podcast because uh, I love it. But all of the people that are uh, taking classes there are interested in, you know, hospitality, travel, tourism. And so I, I love this aspect of your, the content that you're creating. So can you talk a little bit about, or a lot, about the actual content and what you share with your audiences? Yes. So I'll start off by saying small worlds because I used to work at NYU School of Medicine. (laughs) So very, very small world. But I think of my content, interestingly, in still two separate ways. So I think first of my content pillars, meaning, okay, for my brand, what are the areas of focus that I want my brand to focus in on? And for me, that's affording travel, paying off debt, building wealth. So every time I'm, I'm sitting down and thinking about content, I'm thinking about which of these areas am I going to fulfill? And if it's not a right fit there, then it's probably not going to get published on the blog or the podcast. Um, so that's like the first layer. The second layer is thinking also about there is a particular type of content listeners like. And how you know that is by they're going to read the title of the episode and determine if it's something that they want to listen to by simply just the title. They may go ahead and read a description, but I really like to narrow the episode into one area of focus, right? When mm-hmm. you have a guest, I know there's a there's like a, a yearning to kind of ask all these questions, but I think when I'm preparing for, especially for a guest interview, I'm really thinking about a very narrow focus. And I want to convey that in the title so that my listener, when they say yes, they know exactly what they're going to get. That's a bit different from the blog portion because the blog portion, I'm really focusing on search engine optimization and SEO, and the blog is used for answering questions. Hmm. So it's a very different medium, but you can still take an interview and dilute it into like answering a few questions, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I, I definitely know that my reader is looking for something quickly. They're looking for answer compared to your listeners, maybe looking for an experience, a journey. They want to hear the whole, the whole bit, right? Um, yeah. Even if it takes an hour long compared to Google, you know, Google searches are more quick. So I really think about sometimes what I have on the podcast is the exact replica on the blog, but now I'm realizing that the listener and the reader are looking for two different things from me. And I can still do that with the same piece of content, but I just have to think about mm-hmm. it a little bit differently. When 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 you, you started out doing the blog and then you uh, went over into the podcasting world, have you now used either one of those as sort of like the base and then repurpose the content? Or do you create those two things separately? So when I first started, I really struggled with, I'm a blogger or I'm a podcaster. So I kind of felt like this pull, like I have to be one or the other. And today I can confidently say that I am both. So when Mm -hmm. I'm sitting down and thinking about a topic, I am thinking about the two pieces, the two assets I'm creating, and I'm going to do both. Mm -hmm. Um, I have found that if I only publish a blog post and I don't, include a podcast episode, I feel like it doesn't get as much like 
engagement mm. because of my listeners are, they're tried and true. Like they're, they're so much more engaged. So I kind of always feel like if I'm going to do an episode, I'm going to do an episode and a blog post. I'm going to mm. do a blog post. I want to do a blog post and share it with my listeners so that both of them are going to live there forever. So I might as well just commit the time to do both of them. This mm. is so different from when I first started where I was just, you know, I really was thinking of podcasting first, but I feel like as a podcast or blogger, I could leverage both skills. So when I'm creating content, let me just do both of them at once and then put it out in the world and move on. I think this is such helpful advice for women entrepreneurs who are thinking about like what are the ways that they can create content and how can they think about the different mediums that they're using? Because I, I really like this 360 degree approach, right? It's almost like, oh, it's not, it's not complete unless you know, for you, you have both pieces. And I think that that's something really, really helpful for women entrepreneurs to think about. And then not only that, my next question is, how then does that content that you create through those lenses, how does that then help support inform your business and what you're doing? Yes. So one of the things I think that people have a misconception is that podcast isn't trackable. So there's like, I can't see the ROI because the only ROI is downloads, for example. And that is not true. With you have, absolutely, you have downloads, but you can actually track retention. You can track clicks in the episode description. You can track, if you are now moving into the website sphere, you can track page views. You can track time on page. You can track clicks. You can track purchases. So there's so many things to track and to assess to see, number one, how engaged your audience is. Are they buying your affiliate products? Are they purchasing your own products? And downloads, I would say, is important, especially if you're looking to work with sponsors and brands. They do care Mm -hmm. about that because a download is really your impression, right? Like how many people engage with this content? So they do care about that. But I think we just sort of just really limit ourselves to just downloads, but it's just a lot more. And you also have to think about what are your goals for your podcast and for your business overall? Like for me, the majority of my creator business is is through sponsorships and brand deals. So I really need to make sure my marketing is really strong. I need to make sure my audience is engaged, that they click on the links that I recommend, that they purchase things, you know, that Mm -hmm. they comment on my things. So all of these things are really important to me. But let's say if you're a business owner and you have your own coaching program or you have your own product that you're selling, that could look completely different. You may not necessarily need that many downloads, but you need that engaged audience who wants your product, who wants to take the next step with you. So completely different. I think it's important to think about your goals, your vision for your business and your whatever content creation you're creating, and then track the things, the metrics that are important to you, because it could look different from person to person. Yeah, I think that that's something early on in 2020, when I launched the She Leads podcast network, I helped several people to start their shows. And they got a little frustrated after a while that they weren't getting, you know, 10,000 downloads an episode. But what they 
sometimes didn't look at was that the podcast was the thing that was actually driving new clients. And, you know, they would say, yeah, you know, I got a client from it. Well, that's a really big deal. That's exactly what you want to be using the podcast for. And, you know, because they were sort of producing their podcast with with us, and it it's not inexpensive, right, to to edit and distribute and do all the things, um, you know, they they sort of stopped podcasting, which I think was a little premature, although it was COVID and we were all trying to just figure out our stuff. But I think that that's something that, you know, and I'm always very focused on on women. It's something that I think we need to do is to commit to the long run when it comes to podcasting. And, you know, yes, like you said, downloads are important, but it takes a while to build that momentum unless you have some type of, you know, really strong social media presence or brand. Somehow you're not going to get the 10,000 downloads in your first three episodes, right? So patience and thinking about it for the long term. And then, like you said, tying that podcast into what are your goals and objectives for your business and how can podcasting, blogging, you know, video, all of that, how can that support and enhance your business rather than just looking at like, how am I going to monetize the podcast just as it is without any of these other parts? I think that that's, it's not the right way to look at what what your podcast is doing for your business. Absolutely. I am so happy that looking back over the last five years, I stuck with podcasting because I wouldn't have been able to realize all the fruits of this labor, this love affair that I have with podcasting. That's quite hard sometimes. But the connections, connections I'm making, every guest interview is an opportunity to open another door to another audience, right? I have episodes from 2018 when I first started that get listened every day. Wow. I have affiliate links that I created in 2018 on those episodes that are getting purchases every single day. Wow. But if you're, I'm not saying that you should never stop podcasting, right? Everyone has to do their own thing. But I'm really happy that I stuck with it. I created systems that allow me to be evergreen, long-lasting, because it starts to compound. The last thing I'll say here is that the riches are in the archives. Mm. So it's not about the new episode that you're creating. It is, but it's about your back catalog. Every new episode is going to be part of your back catalog. And your back catalog is where you're going to be getting the downloads every single day. That's really going to help you to build your awareness, build your brand. So Put effort into your current upcoming episodes, but really think about your podcast in the totality of all the episodes that you have, not mm-hmm. just the first one, but what whatever's coming out like next. I love that. It's it's your body of content. Your body right? of work. It's, it's, yeah. it's your body of work. It's your thought leadership. And I love the idea of the fact that it's your catalog that you can always go back and also reference. You know, I hear podcasters saying, I talked about that in depth in episode, blah, 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 right? And when you really like someone and you think that they have something to say, you'll make a note of that and you'll go back and you'll listen to that episode. That is such a good thing. So as far as advice for women who want to start a podcast to help support 
their business. And then this idea of perhaps, you know, including some affiliates in there. What are some of the things that you would suggest? Like if you were to get started today, right? Knowing everything that you know, what would you do to kind of start up your podcast? First, I would be thinking about the content pillars that we talked about earlier, meaning those areas of those areas of focus, those buckets that you're going to be known for. I would say three to four areas of focus. That's number one. Mm. I would sit down and write out the episodes that you want to have for at least one to two quarters. So you have a bird's eye view of like the content that you're going to create, whether that's interviews or, or solo episodes. So write them down so you kind of have a roadmap of what success mm. looks like. And you want to cross-reference those episode topics to your goals. If your goals are to promote your business, make sure that your business is infused in those episodes, right? Mm. Want to make sure they're aligned. Everything is really oriented around your goals. That's really important. Now, when it comes to the actual production piece, I always recommend all of my coaching clients to have three ways to make money in every episode, Mm. whether that's an affiliate link and two of my products or three affiliate links, or you just need to make sure you're making money somehow, some way, whether it's your offer, you're making an offer on air, or you have links in your description and your show notes, like there has to be three ways. Or even if you have a sponsor, right? That means a sponsor paid to create this episode, right? So three ways to make money. Now, imagine three times 100 episodes, right? Now you have 300 avenues that potentially can make you money every single month. So that, this is why the niche, you know, the archive is so important because mm-hmm. there's just so many opportunities for you to monetize there. So I think those are the focuses, I would say, part mm. content, part goals, and part making sure that you're thinking about monetization from day one, because yeah. monetization allows you to have a sustainable podcast that you can keep podcasting for years to come. It allows you to pay your bills, pay your staff. All of these things come with a monetized show. So don't feel like salesy or icky about it. Like Find a way to be organic and natural. But get all your coins, right? Make sure you're using your podcast to support your thriving business. I love that so much. And that's definitely something that I need to think about and strategize around uh, just, you know, being honest with you. My podcast is really an extension of the conference that I always put on the She Leads Live conference. And it's, it's all about bringing you know, women thought leaders into the fold to help other women entrepreneurs to be inspired and, you know, to help grow and scale and monetize businesses. And, you know, it's something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And so sometimes I don't think about the monetization aspect of it because I'm, you know, I want to give, give, give. But yet I realize that that is not a smart strategic business decision because there's, you know, there's not a lot of ways that money can come in when you're just sort of having these incredible conversations. So I love, I love this practical advice of having three different ways to monetize in every episode. And it's so funny what you said about the compounding effect, right? That is, I'm sure, what you also talk about on your your podcast, like the compound uh, effect of, of interest over time, right? 
when's the best time to start investing? You know, 20 years ago or now? Right now. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think that even for other women like me who may have a podcast that we are, you know, we love it, but we're not necessarily monetizing it. It's something that we can start at any time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I still go back to my older episodes and I add links in there if it's relevant. I Mm. update my episode titles. So as you mentioned, Mm. because the riches are in the archive, so I want to make sure my archives are presenting me as best as possible. So Mm. again, we put so much focus on what's coming up next. But if you feel like you have some work to do, start with your archives. Start Mm. with your top performing episodes, maybe your top five. Go through them. Make sure that everything is up to date and all your links are there, all the ways you want to make money, all of the things. And then move on to your top 10, your top 20 and continue on. So yeah, I think having a dual approach is important, especially if you have an established podcast and brand already. Danielle, this is such great advice and actually advice that I have never heard before. So thank you so much for for sharing that. So I'm going to I'm going to keep going and keep pushing sponsorships. Yes. Right. So I know that it's important to have a certain number of downloads. However, I do also know that there are certain sponsors that are interested in just aligning with different podcasts because of the the brand synergies, right? How would you suggest a, a woman podcaster would go about doing outreach to a specific sponsor if they don't have the 10,000 downloads per episode? Well, you don't need 10,000 downloads per episode. I have never gotten 10,000 downloads per episode yet. (laughs) And literally 40% of my income comes through sponsorships for my podcast. So that is completely a myth. What you need for sponsorships is certainty in who you are as a creator, your values, Mm -hmm. your content pillars, which we talked about, and also who your audience is. Because if you don't know who your audience is and what they want from you and what they want to see, you are not going to be able to find or align the right brands to that audience. So before you look externally, look internally to make sure that like for me, I know my listeners are financially savvy, meaning that they love to travel, but they're also looking at what debt they have and their goals, financial goals, right? So with that mind frame, I know what kind of brands I'm looking for. I'm looking Mm -hmm. for brands who uh, maybe on a more luxurious side, but not crazy break the bank, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm looking for more tech and things like that to help them manage their moving pieces. So I know with certainty and, and a good way to know with certainty more about your audience is just you can ask them, you can pull them, Or you could look at your listenership, like look at this episode versus that episode to see which ones do they really align with more? Which ones are they more eager to listen to? And then from there, continue pushing on those styles of episodes. That could be very helpful. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. There are going to be tons of brands who are looking for a return on investment, meaning that they're spending their marketing dollars with you and they want to make sure They want X amount of downloads, impressions. They want X amount of clicks and sales. And if you know with certainty that you can't reach those, then those are not the right brands to align with. Mm. If you're looking for brands who care about awareness, like they want people to know more that, uh, that they exist and 
they care more about storytelling. Like a lot of brands I work with are tourism boards. And I really lean, lean into the storytelling aspect of it because there's so many stories that they're trying to tell, but it's mm-hmm. usually through video and, and uh, written content. And the audio, they're not really thinking about audio. So no. that's where I shine. So mm. figure out those brands that are more storytelling, awareness versus the conversions, like the clicks and the sales, especially if you have a smaller audience. And mm. then also really, it's like, it's not, again, it's not about how many downloads you have. It's about how engaged they are with your content. Do they trust you? Which is why I always recommend when you're thinking about monetizing your podcast, ask your listeners to start doing things. Whether Mm. that's uh, follow you on social, whether that's click on this link to learn more, whether that's book a consult call with you or a discovery call with you, because at the end of the day, you want to show engagement. And if you let your listeners just listen to the episodes and do nothing else, how are you going to encourage them to work with a partner or work with a sponsor or like continue the conversation with, with another brand, right? So always in your episodes, have call to actions for your listeners. Encourage them to click on the link and explore your blog post. Click on Mm. the link to support the sponsor. Check out the sponsor. Click on the link to book a discovery call with you, right? Because the podcast is just the beginning of the conversation, but there's more to do. So good. So all those things I think will help you to feel more confident that when I ask my listeners to do something, they will do it. Because I've, mm. I've practiced episode after episode. I think those are things that we typically don't think about. Um, again, downloads is just one piece of the pie. And also, one last thing I want to mention here is that if you're going the CPM model, which is cost per mil, meaning that typically on average, a brand will give you $25 per thousand downloads, right? If you have a really large show, the CPM works wonders for you because you have thousands and thousands of downloads and you can make hundreds and thousands of dollars as a result of that. But for smaller shows, I always recommend to do a flat fee, Mm. deliverable-based sponsorship because your downloads are smaller, but you can leverage other places like your Instagram presence or your newsletter or your ability to create reels and videos or your blog post that you create. So you can kind of put a package together that yeah. goes beyond your audio file. So mm. those are some, some of the kind of tips and tricks. It's a, it's, a lucrative, it's a lucrative place to be in, but we have to think outside of the limitations that we put ourselves in and what the industry sometimes is telling us that we cannot do this because our numbers are small. Yeah, th- this is so, this is such great advice. And again, it's like when you think about all of the hurdles that women have to face as far as like not being able to get financing in the same way, not being able to like make it past the million dollar mark, all of this, having smaller shows. I do think that using our creativity and like you said, packaging together all the different assets that you have, that's a, that's a rich package. And if you can talk about your audience with intimacy, if you can demonstrate that you really know 
who your audience is, what they're interested in, you know, how they buy, all of that. That is something that is so valuable to brands. So yes, and I think that that also speaks to why it's important to, you know, without going crazy, you don't want to be on every single everything or else you're going to, you know, get burned out. But if you have, you know, two very uh, strong properties or three strong properties, that is absolutely something to package together. And the thing that I was also thinking as you were talking is, you know, as a podcast host, right, it's very important to be talking about the links and to, to book a call with you. At the same time, if you're a guest on someone's show, right, can you give a, a little advice for people who are guests on other people's shows and using almost that same strategy? Absolutely, right? When you're a guest on a show, you're delivering so much value. You're sharing your expertise, sharing your life story. And if you have any related or relevant resources or products, this is a great opportunity to also mention them, right? So for example, we just talked about sponsorships and I have an audio training all on how to stand out and attract brand deals. So I'm going to mention it on the podcast because that's the next step, right? The podcast is just an intro, but you can deep dive and do deeper on other things that I have to offer. So don't be afraid to mention in a natural way, what products and services that you offer. All hosts typically give you an opportunity to give a call to action at the end, whether that's follow you. So if social media is important to you, yeah, you can mention social. But if you're like, I have a free thing for you all, mention the free thing so that people can go and join your newsletter and you can start those conversations. Mention your websites. People can go and look at your website and read your blogs or anything like that. So really be intentional on when you're actually a guest and what kind of shows you say yes to, right? Mm -hmm. I know it's flattering to say yes to any opportunity to get our voices out there. But remember, it's a time commitment for you to do the episode versus work on an important part of your business. So you want to make sure the alignment is there and that you want to make sure any calls to action you have can allow them to really get to know you and, and take a next step with you as well. So You know, if podcasting doesn't sound like your cup of tea, but guest appearances, 100%, you can absolutely just really crush it by being a guest. I feel like if I would start over again, not knowing, I'd probably do that. I'd probably just be a guest (laughs) and just enjoy all of all that comes with that. Yeah. All the things we talked about can definitely work for guest appearances as well. Yeah. And I think one of the things that is really important is to think about what are some resources that as a guest you can actually create because that does enhance the experience rather than just, oh, go visit my website or, oh, hey, follow me on social. If there's an actual resource, a downloadable something, you're going to give value by giving that thing, but then also you're going to get that the person's audience, some of them at least, onto your list. And that is such an amazing strategy to leverage other people's audiences, especially when they are incredibly aligned with your own. So with that, why don't you give us the way to find your incredible resource? Yes. So I think the best next step after this conversation would be for folks to consider creating a media kit, which is this document that really 
provides a comprehensive overview of your show, um, all the stats and data that you may care about or brands may care about. So I will uh, have a link for you all uh, where you can download my media kit checklist. And mm. these are the all the things we have in the checklist, all the things that brands have asked me, hey, I didn't see this in your media kit. Can you send this mm-hmm. to me? So all those back and forth, you don't need to think about that because it'll be all it'll all be there in the media kit. So I'll, I'll provide the link to you all there. That's awesome. And there are so many programs out there that can help you actually build that media kit, like just using Canva and picking some of those templates and maybe customizing it a little bit. It does not have to be hard, but it is, it's such a great resource for you to be able to say, hey, here's my media kit. It gives people an overview of who you are. So I love that so much. And Danielle, if people do want to get in touch with you to, you know, find out how you can help them maybe monetize their show, get sponsorships, all of that, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So the best place to connect with me will be daniellezier.com. And I have a coaching tab so you can learn all about how I help podcasters grow and monetize through sponsorships. And also, if you're on Twitter at all, I feel like, or x.com, right? (laughs) x.com. I'm over at the thought card on x.com. And I like to share a lot of just the behind the scenes of my podcasting business. So I think those are the two places that will be great to connect with me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You have given us such incredible, actionable information and advice, and I appreciate it personally. And I know the sugar-coated audience appreciates it as well. So thank you so much, Danielle. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. The She Leads Podcast Network.